Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Sam Matterface, and today Alex Crook and Danny Murphy spoke about Harry Maguire's comments on dealing with criticism and the support he's received from David Beckham. We speak to Scottish footballer Clark Robertson, who's been playing for uh, Israel side MS Ashdod and has had to flee the country. Wayne Rooney has been confirmed as the new manager of Birmingham City, and we look how the Blues have handled the appointment and what success looks like for Rooney this season. Plus, we look back on what we learned from last night's mic'd up show with Howard web this is outspoken with white and jordan we start with harry Maguire, who spoke exclusively to talksport about his uh, treatment over the course of the last uh, few years ahead of england's international against australia and the game against italy he's been talking to our england correspondent faye carruthers after he revealed that he'd spoken to david beckham after the spotlight on his performances recently Firstly, how did the call come about? And secondly, how much did what he said to you actually help you? No, it meant everything. Um, I've spoke about throughout my career that David Beckham is someone who I I looked up to and I watched when I was a young boy. Unfortunately, I didn't end up on the right wing and and, and scoring and assisting as many goals as he has. But yeah, he was a big role model when I was um, growing up. And um, no, I think it just shows how classy he is to reach out to me and um, to message me. And no, it was it's something that I really appreciate. And um, yeah, it was touching, really. There was no social media when he was there. And I've watched the, the, the documentary and, and the reminder of it. It was actually quite horrific what, what he suffered. And the past year for you has been, been really difficult to, I'm sure, for your family and friends, as you said, to, to watch. But how did he fill you with confidence that you're being resilient in this moment? Yeah, like I said, I don't want to go too much into the conversation, but the main, what he did is he, he reminded me of the career that I've had today and the big moments that I've had in my career. And uh, I think, like I say, you, when you're going through tough moments, you've got to think on past experiences and, and past memories and, and where you've gone in your career and what you've been through. And every career, like I say, every career is so up and, up and down, and especially when you reach what I've reached in, in terms of being the captain of the... The, the biggest club in the world for three and a half years. He knows what it's like and obviously I watched the, the documentary and I couldn't believe how much he went through at the time. In the documentary, Gary Neville speaks a lot about how resilient he is and as a person and you know, I think he's been a, a huge role model for, for many footballers growing up, especially in my era. Uh, that's uh, Harry Maguire speaking yesterday to Faye Carruthers and it was fascinating I thought he was mature I thought it was erudite he came across as resilient I think he he came across 
as someone who was taking things and it obviously has affected him over the course of the last year the treatment that he's got and I think sometimes that has gone straight into a really unfair territory with Harry Maguire um, and I think we've even spoken about it on the podcast Premier League All Access how it's Manchester United could have done a lot more to get him back in the team a little bit earlier especially the problems they've had in the early part of the season um, but um, I wonder whether or not we've learnt from the way that Beckham was treated in 1998 because uh, sometimes it's gone a little bit over the top hasn't it? Yeah I mean I I don't think idiots learn generally I think there's just idiots and and some people who write horrible and personal things and stupid things and non, not constructive I mean there's a balance with everything I, I've, I've said on here I think all footballers who are in the you know the top level football at top level football have to take the good and the bad mm. you have to take criticism you have to take some nasty stuff now and again as long as it, I say nasty wrong word but you know like critical stuff because um, you're in a privileged position if you're captain of Manchester United and you earn what you earn. It, it, people say it's irrelevant what you earn. Well, it's not to most people. You, you're already being judged because you're earning X. And it was the same when we played. The only difference was we didn't have social media. I think he's been brilliant the way he's conducted himself all the time. Um, I've been fortunate enough to speak to him when I've met him over in Doha. And he's down to earth, he's got a nice family. He gets it. He's not daft. He's a Yorkshire lad. He knows. And he was part of the England fan group beforehand, wasn't he? I mean, he was going to Euro 2016. He was in the crowd. He, he knows. He knows what he's... He's a down-to-earth lad who understands how fortunate he is to be in a position in it, and he understands there's good and bad. And I think I think he has conducted himself as well as anybody could. But there's there's this isn't going to be the first. It's certainly not the last, you know. It, sorry, it isn't the first and it won't be the last of somebody becoming a scapegoat, somebody getting hammered ridiculously for footballing reasons, which is just ridiculous. Uh, do, do you think that the treatment has gone beyond the line when it comes to Harry Maguire? I don't, actually. And You know, I've looked at the David Beckham documentary and I was quite young during France 98. I wasn't maybe fully aware of just how much vitriol there was directed towards David Beckham and, and for how long. I remember the images uh, on the front page of the newspapers of the, the West Ham fan who, who hung a Beckham doll from a noose and I don't think Maguire's been subjected to that kind of abuse. And actually, where, where's the abuse coming from? He gets a lot of it on social media, but match-going Manchester United fans have, have largely stuck by Harry yeah, Maguire. Yeah, match-going England fans... Hold on, hold on. Matt, didn't they, haven't they booed him? That was fans in Australia. But it wasn't I'm just that. Though, I'm talking about people who go to Old Trafford week in, week out. When he, what, what, what about when he was cheered when he was substituted? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that, I, think, I, think, I think what Cook is trying to say is that... Well, or I think what you, I put words in your mouth, but the majority of pundits I've sp heard, listened to, and decent journalists write and speak... As they find... From, yeah, but from a from an honest point of so, view, so, 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 and I've, but, I I spent most so, of the World Cup in amongst the England fans, and there was no negative reaction but, but no from the England said, fans no towards Harry Maguire. That England fans, the, the, he actually talks about the England fans, yeah. and the England fans have always given him support. I think actually it's social media, exactly, it is it's, it is social media. But listen, we, we all get stick on social media. Everybody gets stick on social media. It could be a cesspit. But at let's times. not pretend that he hasn't got uh, abuse because he clearly has. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, but, uh, but if it, yeah, he has. And there's different but it's levels. not David Beckham level, in my opinion. No, but but the the general, I think, if you didn't have any social media, like back when Beckham was, this narrative wouldn't have been built the up. The Maguire situation wouldn't be what it is. Mm. I agree. The world's most dangerous download, outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
Football yeah. has been suspended, obviously, in Israel as a result of what has happened. Uh, one player who has been playing for Ashdod uh, out in uh, Israel is Clark Robinson, who's formerly uh, with Paul Smith. He was with Blackpool, played for Aberdeen as well, and he joins us live now. Hi, Clark. Hi, guys. How are you? Thank hey, you very Clark. much for coming on the programme this morning. Just to give us a, a, a sense of, of where you are, are you safe? Are the people with you safe? And, and where are you at this moment in time? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm actually back in Aberdeen now. Um, I managed to get a flight um, on Sunday evening from uh, Tel-, Tel Aviv back to uh, Budapest and then Budapest to uh, London and then London up to Aberdeen on Monday. So... Um, when everything started kicking off on a Saturday morning, uh, we were actually staying in the north of Israel in Nazareth, um, because we had a game on Saturday evening up there. Um, so we got we got woken up about eight, eight o'clock by one of my teammates uh, saying that the game was off, and I was like, "What?" Um, and obviously, if you say like the the country was just under attack, um. So I think from from then, like the, the club acted uh, very quickly and professionally. Uh, we got back on the bus and went back to Ashdod, which is um, closer to Gaza, um, which probably maybe wasn't the safest thing to do. But um, I think all the Israeli players wanted to be close to their families, um, which is understandable, and make sure they were okay. So once we got back to Ashdod, the, uh, the club told us to get our passports and head to the airport and um they they sort out flights from there and um th- thankfully i managed to get one eventually yeah. just explain what that initial experience was like not only for yourself and the maybe the panic that you were going through the feelings that you were going through at the time but also the the the, the reaction of the people around you finding out the news that the country was under attack at that time and it was actually you know bearing in mind where ashdod is is very close to gaza it was very close to where a lot of those people call home yeah, well, I think um, when, when I eventually got woken up on a Saturday morning, um, all the Israeli, like the local players, um, were getting messages on their phone from six o'clock uh, in the morning because they, they have uh, alerts on their phone from uh, when rockets get fired from Gaza into Israel. Um, so they were getting alerts from their phone at uh, 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, and I think at that time, um, they didn't realise that what was the way to happen. Um and like by, by eight o'clock, it was, they were saying like they've never they've never seen anything like this before. Um, just well, I, th- I think you, usually they they pre- prepared for um, rockets during the season. Uh, at some point, it happens quite regularly um, every year, um, which they can deal with. But ne- never have they been uh, invaded like this. So I, th- I think you could see um, all the local players were very anxious, and um, I, I was as well, to be fair, because I didn't know what was happening, but. Um, yeah, it was a very, uh, just a, a hectic uh, day, yeah. Where do you think this leaves you, Clark? Because it, it doesn't seem like this is a situation that is going to be resolved in the immediate future. As Sam's mentioned, football in Israel has been suspended indefinitely. We know the international games have been moved away from Israel during this fortnight as well. Do you see yourself returning to Israel anytime soon? Um, well, I, I spoke to someone from uh, the club yesterday um, and he was just asking if I was okay, etc. And um, he said he said that the club just doesn't know what's going to happen in the next weeks or months coming. Um, we, yeah, we we just really don't know at this point what's going to happen. But um, like I, I've generally loved my time in Israel so far. Um, it's an amazing place to live. Um, the lifestyle is amazing. Um, the standard of football is very good. 
Um, so, I, yeah, I'm just uh, hoping that they can come to some sort of resolution soon and uh, find some peace and return to some sort of normality so I can uh, get back out there as soon as it's safe to do so. Yeah? When you moved to Israel or when it was first mooted to you, I'm sure you were aware of the political situation. The situation, obviously, long standing, but this explosion of aggression seems to have taken everyone by surprise. How much were you told about the possibility of conflict? Um, well, I think when the interest came from Israel, my agent told me about the interest from Israel. Like, it's I've always wanted to play abroad. Uh, it's, it's something I've always wanted to do. So um, I did a lot of research online. Um, I spoke to a couple of uh, Israel agents as well um, about the situation. And at, at the time, like, it was, it was, it's been safe there for a number of years now. Um, like I said, they, they're used to uh, rocket attacks from uh, Gaza now and again, but... Um, like ne never like did I think something that, like this would happen when I went over there. Like I, I prepared, I prepared myself for a few rockets and that. Like when I moved into my apartment, the uh, the landlord showed me like the safe place and that is where I go. Like if if there was to be an uh, an alarm um, and rockets were to be fired, but um, yeah, like like I say, the the three months that I've been there so far, um, I've seen no trouble, nothing. It's been very safe to live in and. Um, I think everyone just caught off guard um, on Saturday morning when it when it started kicking off. Have you have you spoken to any of your teammates since you've been out of the country uh, about their situations? Have those that you work with and play with lost any relatives or been caught up in the conflict in any way? Um, so yeah, we, well, we've also got a uh, WhatsApp group um, with all the players in the chat and. Um, I, I, oh, I think four, four of uh, my teammates actually live in Ashkelon, which is uh, even closer to Gaza. That's about 10 minutes away from Gaza. Um, and I think they, they had a lot of rockets last night. And um, I, think, I think, thankfully, everyone's safe so far. Um, and just yesterday, um, I think uh, uh, two days ago, sorry, um, one of the rockets actually landed in Ashdod um, uh, on, a, on a road. And you could see like the cars burning on that. But um, I, I think everyone's safe for now. Um but it's, it's it's obviously a worrying time for them, and there's a lot of young young players in our team. We've got a young squad, and um, it's just worrying that at any minute they could probably get called up. So um, yeah, just just ho hopefully they're they're all safe and um, it stays that way. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus of the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Birmingham have confirmed Wayne Rooney as their new manager. He starts immediately, having left his position as the head coach of MLS side DC United. It's news we brought you over the weekend. Uh, Rooney supported by former England teammates uh, Ashley Cole, the current Angler 21 assistant coach, and John O'Shea, the assistant coach of the Republic of Ireland men's national team, and Carl Robinson and Peter Shuttleworth, who both assisted Rooney at DC United. Uh, Shuttleworth also part of his coaching team at Derby County. Crook, got any more on that? That was interesting, isn't it, how quickly this deal has been put together, bearing in mind that uh, they didn't start talks with Graham Rooney until after John Eustace was relieved of his duties. They've done remarkably Who well told you that? to get I that thought, I, thought, I thought you broke to get the story that suggesting agreed. that they already told John on Friday. Yeah. I think there was a hint of in. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there may have been. Wayne sat in front of a press conference on the weekend, so I've got nothing lined up, honestly. <laughs> Even though his boy had... Um, Started following all the yeah. Birmingham players. <laughs> uh, quotes in the press release from Gary Cook, of course, he wrote that open letter which um, we weren't there impressed with yesterday he says we're incredibly excited by Wayne's arrival this is the chief executive of Birmingham when the opportunity presents itself to appoint a manager who shares your ambition and is both the student and, and a great of the game then you act this is what we have done we are confident this appointment supported by his hand-picked coaching staff will culminate in a young attack-minded team that will excite our fans uh, Craig Gardner is uh, going to stay on in his role I think as technical director and he's promising Gary Cook that there will be investment in the squad in the January and summer transfer windows ahead. Uh, quotes from Rooney as well. He's delighted to be joining Birmingham City at such an exciting time. It's clear, says Rooney, they have a plan and are committed to realising their ambition for the club. We are fully aligned on what is expected. I've been building my managerial career, putting myself in challenging environments to get me ready for this opportunity. It's a project that gives me a sense of purpose. I can't wait to get started. That word aligned again. Yes, there's a lot of this, isn't there? In the statements from Gary Cook, in the statements from Birmingham City and the words there from uh, Wayne Rooney about uh, ambitions being aligned. Why is that so key? What? 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 what I mean, what, this is pretty clear that they've obviously come up with this it's phrase. A, it's a football they keep, philosophy. They keep being using this phrase, but ultimately they wanted Wayne Rooney to be the manager. Why didn't they just come out and say that right at the beginning? Why have they given us these well, they're just, three they're different statements? Just, they're trying to justify the decision, and, and I take from that they're, they're aligned in the way they want to play and how they're going to move forward. Whereas the previous manager, although getting results and doing really well, which you have to do, adapt in a championship, can't always be great football on the front foot, kind of free flowing. The, that's not what they want. They want a team to win games and play good football and please the fans with the type of style of football they see, which is fine if they're going to go. And Rooney will play it. He'll try and play the right way. So he's ambitious. He's hungry. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. But I've got some sympathy for Eustace. I mean, he's, he's, he's done a hell of a job. I think that's the key to it. I mean, we're not necessarily criticising the appointment of Wayne Rooney. There are Birmingham fans who aren't as excited as the board seem to be. But... It does seem hugely unfair on John Eustace. It does, and I've got no... As it was on Gary O'Neill. I've got yeah. no truck whatsoever, no problem at all with Wayne Rooney taking the job, and I think when you are the owner of a football club, you have every right to decide how you want to, to, to move forward. And if they've decided that they want Wayne Rooney in charge, that's fine. But don't fob people off. I just don't understand why you spent the weekend saying it's not going to happen and this is not the case and blah, blah, blah. And then yesterday, even once they'd ad admitted that they'd sacked John Eustace, they then came out and said that the process is going to start. We all know what the situation is. You don't need to put those words out there. Just, to, you know, it was, it was almost like a waste of eight paragraphs from Gary Cook yesterday. Just 
just be honest about it. We wanted Wayne Rooney to be the manager. That's fine. That's your job. It's in your gift to do that. You you own the football club. Yeah, but then there is a responsibility to try and give some clarity and understanding. He didn't really do that. He didn't no. do it. It was just <laughs> he's, better, he's better saying the style of football isn't quite what we anticipated. We want to move it in a That's different. That's what he's hinting at, isn't he? We want to move in a different direction, and Rooney's the one we want to take us. But in. if you if you sound like if you start if Gary Cook's relatively new into Birmingham, right? If you start on the on, in a vein of sort of obfuscation and and sort of mealy mouth statements, then immediately you put people's backs up. If you're just honest and clear and just saying, look, yeah, listen. John Hughes is a great job, but actually Wayne Rooney's an icon of the game mm. and he's put himself in challenging environments. We think he's going to be a great manager and he's going to play a certain type of football. So we've gone down that road. Everyone goes, well, maybe, OK, we might disagree with it, but that's OK. Well, maybe you should be in the job Gary Cook's in and he should be in the one you're in. What, because he talks a lot more than I do? What you no, but to you, you sound like you'd be really good at that. Are you being sarcastic? No. It sounds like you are. Do you think Rooney's going to be a success at Birmingham? <laughs> because you look, you look at his win record at Derby and in the MLS, it's, it's, not, it's not that impressive. I Have think, you, I you've, think, you've worked with him, you know what he's like. I think what he did at Derby was pretty phenomenal. When he nearly cut, you know, that was an amazing achievement considering what they had. You know, he, he puts himself in situations that a lot of people wouldn't take on. Um, doesn't mean he's going to be a success at Birmingham, but he's what does the, success look like for Birmingham? Because they're sixth in the table. Playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, it'll fail, won't it? Um, were Birmingham expected to be in the playoffs at the beginning no, of the season? but he's taking over a club that's sixth. Yeah, but I know, but so little. I mean, QPR were near the top at the beginning of the last season, weren't they? So, you know, it's, 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 it's context. I think probably coming in this late, if he's not got them in a promotion position, as in pushing at least playoffs next season, then he's failed. I think this one's a bit hard. To, I don't know the quality of the squad and whether they are punching above, but it sounds like they are from what I can understand. I think he's hungry. I think he's determined. I think if he manages anything like he plays, he's going to have a hell of a chance of success because he is relentless. The fact that they've said that they expect to take the Blues to the next level suggests that they've got to do that now, hasn't yeah. it? I, I think there's a lot of pressure on Rooney because more of the f fan base at Birmingham are against this appointment than are for it. A popular manager has been replaced, seemingly for off-the-field issues. He's going to have to hit the ground running. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Good morning, it's Sam Motherface alongside uh, Danny Murphy and Alex Crook this morning. We're here till one o'clock. Uh, let's hear from Howard Webb what he had to say uh, about one of the incidents on Sunday. Manchester City's Mateo Kovacic making two fouls in the Arsenal game, one of which he was booked for. The second, he was not, therefore escaped a red card. Yeah, I mean, of course, we, we want to be as consistent as we can be throughout every game among our group, uh, dealing with the same situations in the same way each week. But of course, all situations vary slightly. We accept and un understand this. And this is clearly a poor tackle. And I'm pretty confident if a red card had been given by Michael Oliver on the date, it would have been a very um, straightforward check complete. But he doesn't. He issues a yellow card. I think there's a few differences. Uh, the uh, the player Kovacic um, comes into the tackle with the right leg. The, there's some weight on the left leg as he, as he kind of lunges in. The the right heel hits the ground and then the contact is a little bit more to the side with a kind of like an upright foot as opposed to a, a side-on foot that we saw with Gusto. A few small differences, I think, that led the VAR to feel that the on-field decision here of yellow card wasn't clearly and obviously incorrect and therefore check completing it, feeling that if it had intervened, it would have been a re-refereeing of that decision by the referee on the field. So what about the second one? 
I know we're not going to show it, but do you think he was fortunate to stay on for the second yellow card a little bit later on? I, I, I do. I mean, obviously, the VAR can't get involved. The second yellows uh, are something that uh, the VAR is not able to get involved in. But, yeah, I think he was an extremely fortunate player to stay on the field of, of play. Of course, the referee, one of our best referees, one of the best referees in the world, Michael Oliver, will, will no doubt review that. Uh, he doesn't want to have a, a negative impact on the game by overreacting to something and sometimes players will be on a yellow card and then there'll be pressure to show a second one. Pressure will come from the players on the field. But, you know, that's also uh, true that if you underreact, you have a negative impact on the game. So I think when he reflects on it, he'll realise that the second one should have been a, uh, a yellow card as well, which would have seen Kovacic sent off for two yellow cards. There was a lot I liked about that show last night. Um, I know, listen, it's, it's made by the Premier League. It is just a, an opportunity for, for Howard Webb just to have his say. That's what it's there for. He explains some of the decisions. He explains some of the laws in greater detail. And I thought this particular incident, actually, he's not shying away from it. He believes that Michael Oliver should have sent off Mateo Kovacic in that particular incident. What did you think of the overall tone of it? And especially, uh, there's one particular incident that you wanted to sort of discuss about the way he he sort of addressed one or two of the, the decisions. Well, let's credit Howard Fur. I, th I like him. Yeah, I, I, I've known him, you know, I've ref by and I liked him as a ref. I think he's a strong character and I think he's trying his best to do a good job. And he's done so. well by bringing this, I think, out into the open so yeah. everyone can sort of understand it. I would better. have liked to have seen him deal with the conversation um, around... The, the Darren England situation, Liverpool, um, Tottenham game. Mm -hmm. I, I'd like to have seen him deal with that differently in terms of when they decided after, what was it, 10, 20 seconds, they'd made the mistake. And they said, no, nothing I can do, nothing I can do. So therefore, they didn't stop it. And he, I've got no problem with him telling the people, the public, about why he went along those lines. He went along those lines because of IFAB's protocol around not stopping the game after a decision being made, which is fine. But I, I think he, he's missed an opportunity to actually go, but if he did and justice was done and we got the right decision, I'd have backed him. And if, God forbid, it happens again, yes, show some leadership and no, nothing would have been... Because what would have happened if, that, if he encourages that? And I think... It's not. It's not then giving a green light to every official to do what they want. Can't he blunt. might see by doing that he is giving the green light to yeah, everybody to talk, break the protocol. We're talking honesty, clarity, transparency. Okay. And the question should have been given to Howard: What would you have done if twenty seconds after, when the ball was out of play, whatever you know, and that they'd have said, "Big error," gone over to the managers, told them what had happened, and that would have been a good question to ask. Because him, then he yeah. would have had the opportunity to go. I'd have supported him. Mm. because justice would have been done. And he also said, which kind of goes with what I'm saying... Because ultimately, in the Burnley-Chelsea game, just the, the week later, they did do that. They stopped the game after... Did they? To, yes, it restarted. You were on Match of the Day. They talked about it on Match of the Day. Um, they, they, after one of the Chelsea goals, they, they stopped it and restarted it again to yeah, check the offside. Right, sorry, yeah, I'd forgotten. And actually, that should have been brought up as well. The fact is that... He didn't. He went with the and maybe he's got maybe he's given certain things he can and can't. Well, say. Of course he is, and be, because and that, that's, that's, it will be. Yeah. yeah. Does, does a, it need a bit more editorial judgment? Well, it's not going to get it. You're not going to get it. It's no, made by nothing, the Premier but, League. But, but, but I don't fine. think people would have. That's just what it is. It's, if if we just go back to it quickly, if if that particular incident was dealt with 20 seconds after, I think most people, bar the odd idiot, would have probably gone, "What a brilliant decision to actually realise a huge mistake yeah. and to address it really quickly, where no damage had been done." And actually, 
if IFAB had come in and said to Darren England, you're being sanctioned, sanctioned as a result of it. Howard Webb could have gone, this is unfair. Just to go back to the point I didn't quite touch. Seven years ago, the protocol was made and the rules... Howard said this, so not my words. He yes. said, seven years ago, these rules and protocols were put in place. So basically saying maybe they need looking at, but they're not going to get looked at instantly. He actually said that they were written seven years ago before we'd even done a game exactly. with VAR. So, so, so it's evolving. Evolving, we've got lived experience now, so what, and he thinks they're going to rewrite them in but, but the what a brilliant, spring period. But, but, so what he's doing there is giving himself the platform to say, look, maybe maybe if this does happen again, someone does have to start, yeah. put their head above the parapet and go, I know IFAB have this protocol but mm. it's wrong and we're going to change it so that was a little bit disappointing but maybe he's restricted maybe his hands are tied I think that's probably the case I thought overall it was quite a, an interesting yes, experience I, to listen I did. to I just think on the Kovacic and Guimaraes ones because they are very similar mm. I think what he would probably have been better of going down the line of and, and I think most people want is a really high bar yeah. red cards and yellow cards well, I think the bars dropped a bit from last season and I think what happened last weekend and you might disagree and it would have been interesting to hear his answer to this is when Jota got sent off at Spurs yeah. there's been a lot of criticism about that because they were both very well, well, the, the first, first one was the yellow card, card he kicked his own heels wasn't it I know So he, but, but I've been booked for that loads yeah. of time. you get done for it it's just it's wrong but you do and the next one again uh, Dogie wasn't it I think who went over a bit easily and Jota shouldn't have dived in and probably been a bit stupid but because of that one I think they've had a chat in the week and gone boys and I like this by the way be careful be, not as many yellers silly yellers and I don't want people off the pitch for nothing but Malkin Southampton just texted he said it's not the referee's responsibility to keep 11 men on the pitch he has the, the, the responsibility to apply the rules regardless it's for the players and coaches to ensure they're not dismissed I agree with that and it goes back to the conversation that we had yesterday and actually you you, you turned against me when I was suggesting that, uh, that the referee in the North East derby between Sunderland and Middlesbrough maybe uh, should have taken the occasion into consideration. Yeah, because you but, keep saying yeah. you want consistency yeah. and then unless you decide that it's a big game. But my follow-up question, if I was Michael Owen, to that particular retort from Howell, where would have been, so are you telling me that if it was Arsenal against Burnley uh, or Manchester City against Burnley and not Manchester City against Arsenal, would Michael Oliver's decision have been different? No, because hold on, hold on, because hold on. that was the suggestion. But, my, but Howard Webb said that, that, that Michael Oliver was wrong. He said he's got yeah, yeah. caught up in the occasion. He, yeah. was, he, he was open about that. So they, he wasn't defending him. He was saying he's the best referee we've got and he was big on that. But he actually said, yeah, hands up, he probably should have well, said Well, he should it have off. compared it to Guimara's one. He compared it to the Malagusto one. But you didn't think one. Kovacic was a sending no, off. No, I was, it was a bit tongue-in-cheek at the weekend. I was uh, winding Alan up a bit because he's gone soft. He's from, 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 a, from a tough part of the world, you said, didn't you? Michael Oliver, yeah. <laughs> he knows what a real tackle is. I actually think, if we're talking about the Kovacic one, I actually don't think the first are red. I think it looked a bit worse. It's the second tackle that. is the problem. It's the second That's the tackle one I've got the, the issue with. But even then, I don't think every tackle is a yellow. That was a nasty tackle, that the second, second one. one. Yeah, it well, was. Well, Deck got up after three seconds. I would have been that nasty. It, it was a but, red. But, but Guimara's, again, they weren't nasty ones, but they're both yellows by the letter of the law. Exactly. So, so I, I, I would like to see us go back a little bit. And they are restricted by the rules, the refs. I get that. But you've got to judge the referees by the laws of the game, yeah. not what you want the laws no, to be. No, exactly. Exactly. But I still think the bar generally yeah. has dropped a bit than it did last season you remember last season we were having lots of positive conversations about yes, this yes, yes. free flowing football we're seeing when yeah. every time someone Absolutely. falls over every time someone falls Get over it, go on carry on like let's see more so I think the bar should be a bit higher the problem is when the bar goes a bit higher is you will get decisions where 
people go that should have been a yellow or a red okay uh, let's just give them a bit of a compliment as well because in one week after that incident with Darren England and the uh, the communication which we all criticised for not being professional enough if you watch the command of John Brooks for example in his next game at Old Trafford and the, you heard the audio of the Martial goal which was uh, or the uh, the own goal the, oh, oh, yeah, Martial was in an offside position. He was in offside position, Martial. When he flicked the ball into, he the, the, ball, into yeah. the six yard box. Um, if you hear the VAR conversation there, it's so much more considered. It's so much more clear. What was the on field decision? Okay. And he was in command, John Brooks, of the situation, which I thought was good. And they actually, there's be. a few examples of that where the, there was an upgrade in terms of the competency, in terms of the, co- uh, the communication between the officials um, on the field and off the field. Well, well I think we all agreed that that, that had to be a water. Yeah. There was so, too many nicknames still. Mads, Brooksy, yeah. Ollie. That's still going on, which it, I wasn't happy it, about. It, the whole process needed to be more professionalised, and you say they've clearly taken steps to do that. The one I was intrigued by actually was the, the Malu Gusto one. Yeah. Um, because it, that's this, not sending off. Well, and again, if you listen to the audio, I think it was two minutes long. It's almost like the, the VAR room persuade the on field referee that it's a red card. Well, they do, because the re- referee actually says the tackle's okay. He wasn't even going to give a foul. And it was Darren Can, who's the assistant, who's very close to it, who says, actually, I think that is a foul, and it may be a caution. The referee who's behind the incident, Can's very close to it, then discusses it with him, and he decides on a yellow card. And then the yeah, the VAO is Andy Madley. And Jared Gillett was the on-field referee, he was, correct? yeah. And he calls him over. He says, no, no, actually, I think that's high. And, um, then, he, and then he talks him into producing the red card, if you go back to the clear and obvious argument, the fact he's having to be persuaded away from his own decision, yeah. therefore it isn't a clear and obvious mistake, I think that decision was wrong. It is. It was wrong. And, then, and, a, and a great point you make on clear and obvious, which has become a little bit vague, I think clear and obvious needs to be really like, really high for these, for these tackles which are on the cusp. You know, I, I think it's got to be... A, I give the players the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's, it's, it's high-intensity football, super-athletic players in a really fast game that we're watching. And there are going to be some some ones that look a bit worse. The problem is also as well with some of these incidents is that I think a lot of the time the referees are persuaded, and, and rightly so by human nature, of the the end of the tackle. So the, sorry, the response of the victim of the tackle. Yeah. Whereas if somebody gets hit in a tackle and they jump up, even if they've been hit quite nastily and they're not screaming and rolling around. The instinct of the officials is to go, it wasn't as bad. And I think players have a responsibility to help the officials, which they don't generally. Which you think Declan Rice did? I do. In the Kovacic instance? He went a little bit... He obviously caught him, but then he got up quite quickly, didn't he? Because that's Mm. what Declan is. He's an honest player. The other thing I didn't like about the Gusto incident is that Jared Gillett specifically asked to see a still picture of the contact... Now we've all we've well, all said and we spoke about that. But though. a tackle looks very different in a still image than it does at full speed. But, uh, and when they walk over, sorry, Sam, when they walk over, what was the one? The Curtis Jones one, where they put the still image on first. First, yeah. What? Because uh, well, actually, they played the audio from the Malagusto one, and the reasoning behind that was because they wanted to show him the point of contact, because the point of contact is, that that is the de- demarcation point of whether you're going to give a relic. You can or see that at full speed, though, can't you? Full speed should be first, then slow it down and give them all the angles. You never, you don't need a still. I don't think a still should come into it. I don't. You don't need a still. The problem is with a still is that you are you are seeing something on its own first, which tricks your and mind. I agree with that, but they will say, because the rule, the law says, if you are endangering the safety of an opponent, if you can show that an ankle, for example, in this incident, 
was buckling under the weight of the challenge, it which could you're be only going to get. Slipped in the grass as the tuck, as the foot. Uh, but I'm telling you what they're saying here. Yeah, this is yeah. why I'm sure that this is why they put the still up. If you can show that the ankle was buckling as a result of the contact, you can probably only do that with a still. That's why they show it to suggest that actually this is a tackle that could have caused a major injury, therefore endangering the safety of the opponent. So they're backing themselves up with the law. That's why they're showing it. I think the I do agree. It shouldn't be the first thing they see, though. It shouldn't be. No, I think one of the other problems is that when you've got. Um, so many laws and so many different areas of inter totally. of interpretation. It does it does feel like sometimes they're having to go through all these different scenarios in the red and find. A, a, that's not fair. They're not finding a way to get players sent off, but they're, they're having to go through each thing in the head, each law, and go. Is he endangering? Is he the, is he is he out of oh, control? Too much to is it reckless? Yeah, is yeah. it the, and there's too many. There is instead mm. of. Is that real? Does he? Did he really mean that? Yeah. Has he slipped? Well, well that's the, he... that. That's a problem with the law. The laws of the game that have been written in such a way that they're trying to prescribe a law for every situation, rather than allowing referees to have a sort of a subjective view and then make a decision on their own. Download. Stand well back. Listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.